second reading uh, this morning is from Psalm 113. And I actually looked up the page for once. It's page 592. So Psalm 113, page 592. Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of their people. He settles the barren women in their in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Morning, everyone. Let's pray. Gracious Father and our God, as we come to your word, we ask that you would uh, encourage us, help us, strengthen us, teach us, and Lord, keep me from error, we ask in praise of your name. Amen. Now, every time I ask, do you remember this song, no one ever does. So I've decided I'm the only one who remembers songs. But do you ever remember the song that goes from verse 3? Look at verse 3. You see that song? See verse 3? From the... You want to sing it, Rob? <laughs> from the rising of the sun. Anyone? Anyone else? Yes, and then it went verse 3 for some reason, then it then went verse 1 and then 2, so it's interesting. Psalm 113 is that song. If you've sung it, which no one ever has, it's always just me and Rhonda and, well, there was someone this time. It's nice to have someone. It's appropriate that we do Psalm 113. It's only nine verses, but it was sung by Israelite people at the Passover. It celebrates... Passover, and having just finished Exodus, it's appropriate that we do it. It's a very simple psalm. It speaks very powerfully of how our God is majestic, almighty, and holy, and then make sure that it connects that greatness with his work and the lowly. So tonight, today is uh, nothing too great no one too small. Praise the Lord. Praise your servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. Verse 1 and verse 9 begin with praise the Lord, praise the Lord, and the word for that is, you know the word? It's the same word. Hallelujah. You know that word. You heard of hallelujah? Good. It's a song too, I think, Ellie. 
That's what it starts with. It starts with praise our God, the one who has reached out to us. Someone in my family who uh, shall remain nameless once asked the question, why does God need to have his name said all the time? Why do we need to praise him? What is he? Is he someone who just loves to hear his name over and over again? And I thought about that question and I thought, uh, after I'd, uh, I thought, well, I won't punch you. I'll, uh, I'll just answer that question, which is a good tactic for a Presbyterian minister not to be involved in violence. Actually, I thought it was quite a good question. Why does God need to have his name said all the time? And the truth is, it's actually his creation cries out. His people cry out from who we are and what he has done for us, we rejoice in his name. We sing his name from the rooftops. You've heard of that expression from the rooftops? Don't, children, kids out there, don't get on the rooftops. It's just an expression. We cannot contain ourselves. And so that's what's happening here. Praise and worship comes from the heart of God's people, it comes from the heart of who we are and what he has done for us. The greatness of God's majesty pours out of us, pours out of creation, rolls off our tongues. It's a loving homage of the committed to the God that has shown himself to us. And so This God deserves to be praised. That's what verse 3 says, doesn't it? This God from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. This God is the God we worship because he is the God who made all things. He is the God who holds all things together. He is the God who has loved us with an everlasting love. It's this God whom we worship and and treasure and proclaim because he will be here when all this is gone. Verse 4, the Lord is exalted over all the nations. His glory is above the nations. Humans of all stripes, of all types, have proclaimed how great they are. Kings and queens... People have come and gone and claimed all sorts of things. A very famous man who caused a lot of problem, you might know from 1939 to 1945, said that his kingdom would be a thousand years. I think he got four or five, maybe. Six. Maybe six, yes. I'm not very good with math, as you know, (laughs) Barry. Yes. So he said he would be around, and he wasn't. The great Roman Empire went for how long? About a thousand, they reckon, something like that. A thousand years is a long time. When the president of the USA comes to our country, you get a glimpse, if you're lucky, of the most powerful person in the world, we're often told. That's a bit of a up and down at the moment. People come and go. 
The psalmist wants us to know that we have the God who is mighty above all things, above everyone who's ever claimed greatness, above all statues, all authorities, all power and dominions. He is our God. It's a mighty picture of what God has done with us. It's a simple one, isn't it? Praise the Lord. All you praise the Lord. Let his name be praised both now and forevermore. He is the God that reigns high, majestic, and over all things. Verses 5 to 9, he is also the God who is with us. If he is so high, he's also far down. Have you ever heard of the perception about politicians being in ivory towers? Have you ever heard of that one? Have you heard? Might not have heard. You've heard of that one. You haven't heard of the song, Rob the Rising of the Sun, but you've heard of that one. Good. That's something. Uh, what do they mean by that? If you live in an ivory tower. Isolation from reality? very complicated what do you mean what does he mean big words is a real disconnected from the people they're serving yeah they're out of touch is that what you meant that's what you meant so there's this idea isn't it that the higher you get up the more you have no idea what's going on i suppose at the moment people wonder Does the governor of the Reserve Bank know what it's like for people down here? That would be a fair question. He might do. I don't know. When it comes to God, we could ask the same question, and people do. Is he out of touch? Verse 5 to 6 says this. Who is like the Lord our God who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look? on the heavens and the earth. So notice the connection. He is high. He is above. Who is like the Lord our God wants the answer? No one. That's right. No one. Who is like the Lord our God? The answer is no one. It's a claim you often meet in the Bible. There is nothing. There is no one like our God. He is high. He is above. He is almighty. And it says he stoops down. Now, this is poetry, of course. It's not literal. doesn't mean that he does stoop. But what the writer is saying, even though he is so majestic, he is also here with us. Many people think that God set made the world and set it to run like a clock. You heard of that before? Just set it to run and they left it. They say God left it to run. And so in that view, God is very distant. He's very uninvolved. He's above, but he's not here. The Bible speaks completely different to that. The Bible doesn't agree with that at all. If our God is majestic, then we are actually amazed 
that he is also well and truly involved in our world. Not only does he stoop down, he is involved. Verse 7 and 8. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sits them with the princes, with the princes of their people. Notice there's this idea of he lifts the low up high and he sits them with those who are meant to be high in our society. Uh, as you know, I was a uh, police, uh, police, no, I was not police, uh, I was a hospital chaplain for seven, eight years. And uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was working with people who had mental health. And one of the reasons why I enjoyed working for, with them is that often they were the bottom of the heap. Our society does do that, don't we? We can't help but rank people. Have you ever asked yourself where you get that from? The poor, the needy, why do we think they're at the bottom? Mental health people are often very much seen as the bottom of the heap. One of the things I loved being involved with them is that you got to see the beauty in them. They were very honest, always honest. It's amazing how honest they are. Sometimes you mightn't have been happy with their honesty, but they were always honest. And so when they were honest and they shared with you, they had a great beauty, a great wonder in them, and they were really a joy to be involved with, a real joy to be prayed for by them was my experience. So one of the most beautiful prayers, I've probably said this before, one of the most beautiful prayer I ever had said for me came from someone who had a very long-term and quite severe mental health disorder. And yet the beauty of her prayer, it flowed from her heart. The poet wants to take the low image here of the poor and of the needy to make sure that you understand that the God who made all things is also involved with us. He is not aloof. Our God is not uninvolved and he makes no distinction. I might make a distinction. He doesn't. He is involved with the greatest and the least. One of the things about the queen, do you hear? time and time again from people, is her humility. Where did she get that from? I know where she got it from. She got it from here, from the Bible. She got it from knowing that there was a God who made her, a God who loved her, a God who'd made us all, and that he cared for the and the that's right. Make sure here that you, you do not have that idea that God is not involved in our pain and our distress. If that is our daily experience, God is with us and he is willing to be involved with us. And he takes, in verse 9, a very serious social problem to make that point. 
He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Do you like the book of Ruth? Anyone like the book of Ruth? Often people really love the book of Ruth. Are you going to, you do? That's right. What, what's, why do people love that book? Because Naomi is a person in serious trouble. It's this situation, verse 9. She's in a perilous situation because in that society, before there was social social security network, a woman by herself in her old age is in the greatest despair and distress. There is no one to look after her. It's an image that comes from a reality from the time that this was written in. And so the the writer addresses that, saying, our God knows those who are in trouble. He shows mercy to those who are afflicted. To those who suffer, God sees, he knows, and he is with them. Does does this verse 9 mean that he will make it always better or all right? No, that's not what he means. The Bible is always facing the reality of our world, of the dreadful tragedy, of the pain and the distress. Here the author wants you to know that God is involved and is capable to bring relief to the distressed. That's an important point for us. Where people endure distress, our God is there. If you endure distress, our God is there. Just because you have distress does not mean God has forgotten you or abandoned you. You are never alone. Psalm 113 is nine verses. It's not a lot, but it wants to assure you of the great power and might and majesty of the God who reached out and saved the people from Egypt, delivered them, is always with us. You are never alone. The psalmist would not be surprised that just in our greatest time of need, as Ephesians 2 said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God reached out to us and saved us as a gift. He gave us life when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. He was the God who made sure that we were not alone, but he saved us. We all are lowly in his sight. And we all are needy. Our God made sure this majestic, holy, almighty God who made all things holds them, holds it together and will bring it to his end. God in all his greatness is still involved and has saved and is able to save you. No wonder this psalm closes with that same one word, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Let's pray. 
Our gracious Father and God, we've only, uh, Psalm 113 is very short and in one sense doesn't say a lot, but what important things it does say. Father, you are mighty and holy and we rejoice in your name because of your truth and your love for us, which will never finish and never fails. You are the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. You are one who keeps your promises and you have kept your promise to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Gracious God and Father, we humbly come knowing we need you. We are all lowly. We're all needing of you. And we thank you, Father, that as we have come, you have received us. Gracious Lord, many of us uh, have great distresses in our lives. And we would pray that you would help us to know that you are with us. Sometimes people think nowadays that, Lord, you are uninvolved or that you are the God who, if we are not having a good time, means that you are against us. Please save us from that type of thinking. For you are the God who has promised us in Jesus to be with us always, even to the end of the age. So we ask and pray that your greatness might be proclaimed in our lives, in our country, and particularly in all those we know. For your glory and greatness we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.